are listening to Let Me Overthink About It, where I dive into a series of topics that occupy my anxious mind. In episode 22, I overthink about dance. I'm Sam Medore, overthinker extraordinaire. here with my pal Jose. Hey Jose, how you doing? I'm amazing Sam. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining me. I love podcasting in 2021 because it's just we've normalized just having Zoom chats basically with people and I appreciate you joining me from you're close to Toronto am I right? No actually I'm close to Ottawa. Oh my gosh I got that backwards. I grew up in Toronto most of my life, but um, I live on my First Nations of Pequawkanagan. It's an Algonquin reserve. It's an hour and 45 minutes west of the city of Ottawa. That's so great. I love Ottawa. Uh, if I were to live anywhere else in Canada besides the East Coast, it would be Ottawa. I love it. It's a great really? city. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love it. Good. I love Ottawa, too. It's... Uh, I mean, I've been out this way for six years now, and uh, I mean, there's definitely milestones of change, but overall, Ottawa is a very beautiful city. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of culture and arts, and uh, the nightlife isn't too bad either. <laughs> right. Yeah, it's a little different now, of course, <laughs> with COVID, but yeah. Uh, so, Jose, we were chatting before we went live or before we started recording. It's been a long time since I've seen you, and it's really nice to see your face. We go sort of way back, you know, within the last decade or so. Yes, absolutely, Sam. I was saying it was uh, 2014 would have been the last time that we would have uh, been in, in person, face-to-face. We went to coffee before I moved, and... Uh, but how I know you obviously is rooted in uh, a very, uh, in, in, a, in a good way, in a very natural way that has uh, to do with performance and art. So that's always a special friendship. So that's why when you asked me to do this, I was like, yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm so glad you did. And we're technically, I always joke about this, we're technically talking about dance today, but we're going to, we've already gone off topic and we haven't even started yet. So <laughs> I think that that gives a good indication of how this chat's going to go. Um, but dance, that is how we met. Um, and I have to just share a little story with you because I was directing the Vagina Monologues here in Truro and we wanted to bring in an, an older monologue that I had performed, I had seen performed years before called The Crooked Braid. And it's an indigenous story of, um, uh, sexual abuse and, and, um, we, it hadn't been performed for the last few years, but we got permission to bring it back. And for me, I was like, this needs more depth. I mean, it's deep already, but it needed more depth. And I was introduced to you as somebody who would be able to perform a dance to go along with the Crooked Braid. And I have to tell you, it is my all-time favorite memory of directing. It's my all-time favorite memory of uh, Vagina Monologues performance. You did such an amazing job. Oh, wow, Sam. Thank you. That means so much to me. And more so because... I will tell you this, it's weird that we're speaking this week because, you know, it's, it was that offer 
that came to me at a time where it was so crucial in my uh, sense of self at that time because I was a new mom. Uh, I was doing the, the college thing. I had left a life of Toronto behind. You know, uh, I was adjusting to a lot of my own personal issues in a very toxic relationship. And I was a has-been dancer. I was a has-been model in what I was carrying with myself. So I was like trying to refine my identity in college, taking a recreation course. <laughs> I just was really lost. And then I met Lenore Zan, who was like involved in theater. And yeah. then it just kind of opened the door a little bit of what was going on in Truro, Nova Scotia at that time. And then yes, uh, through the, the uh, was it the Nova Scotia Women's Association that you guys were doing like a little collaboration project with the vagina monologues. Um, this offer came to me. And I mean, like, I didn't even realize at the time how impactful and marking and um, it was something that I was always going to be able to reference to as what my ability was of my capability. It, you offered me that uh, possibility at a time where I, I didn't even take myself seriously again as a dancer. It was just this project that came into my life. But little did I know how big of a role it was going to play. And I'll tell you this now. Last Friday, uh, this isn't confirmed yet, so I shouldn't say too, too much, but I've been offered every artist's dream of an, uh, an artist in residency position with a very big institution. That's amazing. It is. And Sam, I'll tell you this, but doing that performance of the Crooked Braid, that came back to me again um, yes. in 2018. Uh, long story short, you know, uh, there was a dear friend of mine, Justin Holness. He's, a, he's a, a musician and a rapper. He goes by the name of Jakota. He okay. had started a, a indigenous fashion and music and fashion show in Ottawa. Uh, probably in about 2013, 14. Anyways, I, I got to be a part of it when I moved down here. I was a part of it every single year moving forward. He, uh, I asked him, I said, Justin, you know, I don't want to just walk in the runway shows. I said, I want to do something more. I said, I have an idea. I said, would you let me perform uh, the Crooked Braid? And so one year I performed it as a monologue. And then the next year I did it as the contemporary dance. And I did it in a, in a, in a more fuller scale because I had more attention. I had more knowledge behind it. And I just made a post of it this week on Instagram. I used those photos. So that's my big blabber on, but that crooked brain monologue and that experience your invitation, Sam, as an artist and as a dancer, six years later, I can say, or even longer than six years. Yes, uh, longer. Yeah. Uh, completely was a gift so thank oh, you oh man you have no idea how happy that makes me there was another gift you gave me too but I don't want to jump ahead I don't want to skip the beat here on, on your sequence of questions or are you gonna I don't have a sequence of questions okay. I'm just flying by the seat of my pants are you gonna talk about the other play we did together yeah oh man do it I love it five minutes to curtain 
Yes. That was a really interesting experience. It was a very personal story. I remember you wrote that, right? I did. Yeah. Yes. And uh, I just remember spending a lot of time. Um, I believe this was at your house. You know what? We did it at Leanna Todd's yeah, house for the right. most part. That is yeah, right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Yes, and, and and we just did a lot of impromptu uh, evening and weekend, you know, two hour chunk rehearsals here and there, and I played your like I played the character's silhouette uh like out through, through through the silhouette of the dancing and the movement I was helping to tell the story that you were telling on stage I, I, I you could probably explain it way better than that but that was really cool because I, you know I'm, I'm, I'm acting in silhouette there was just this one part at the end where I came out and there was just a little bit of movement but that whole process again of you know scripting, rehearsing, breaking things down, showing up, uh, you know, dress rehearsal on stage. I mean, those things are life to people like yes. myself who truly are performance artists or are, are dance artists, you know, like I, I'm involved in so many cool things, but I would drop everything in a heartbeat. And everybody knows this about me to dance full time. I want to, I have the smoke and the lights and the timing, the choreography, the costumes and the stories and the emotions. Like I have that in me every single time I listen to music, you know, and I lost all of that for so long. And moving to Nova Scotia was a, a, a gift in so many ways because, you know, I don't want to get into like my whole life story, but like I grew up in Toronto most of my life. I lived there for 18 years. I struggled with my First Nations identity because I had no relationship with my father or connections with my reserve at that time. I lived in such a multicultural city where the only question everybody will ever ask you the first time meeting you is, where are you from? And right. so from a very, very young age, I never had an answer to it because I didn't want to associate myself with the stereotypical First Nations people that we all saw on the street who were unfortunately homeless, right? right? A large population of them in the neighborhoods that I grew up in in Toronto. So moving forward, uh, when it came to trying to figure out what I was going to do with my life and becoming a dancer, that was a way of me connecting with, you know, these lost parts of myself and here we are today, and I can look back at the things that I've been able to do, and I could have become very, very, very lost on my path, but dance was always so true in my nature of being able to explore who I was because I didn't have family through 60s scoop intergenerational traumas, through residential school, my mother being a Jehovah Witness, and I have nothing to do with her side of the family. You break that down, wow. and I'm a lone soldier. You know, on the DNA map, on the family tree, like I had to rebuild all of that. So anyways, that's kind of getting off track there, but as an artist. But that, it, it, I was just going to say exactly that. It's not off track because it informs who you are as an artist, as a performer, right? All of that stuff, all of that. I don't want to call it baggage because that's such a negative connotation, but all... Yeah, yeah, but all of the stuff you're carrying, that is informing you every time you step on stage or every time you sit down to even choreograph something that's 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 in there. Mm -hmm. And so I'll, I'll just say, Sam, again, thank you for those two beautiful uh, 
theater experiences that, uh, you know, at the Marigold in Churro. Yeah. Beautiful, tiny little theater. <laughs> I miss shows at the Marigold. It's such a perfect little spot because, I mean, they're not able to do anything live right now. But um, going back to Five Minutes to Curtain, I, I co-wrote that with a girlfriend of mine um, years and years ago uh, when I was in Halifax for the, Fring the Halifax Fringe Festival and brought it back a couple of times. But by far, that performance was my favorite because, again, it, it allows bringing dance into a performance or a production like that allows expression in a way that words can't can't give if that makes sense dance adds that element and music is part of that too but it just adds that element that words cannot express would you agree with that absolutely and that's why I call myself a storyteller but I'm not a writer you know I can write but I end up wanting to express it with finding music to make me move in that way to tell that story anyways. Or I read a story and I want to express it through movement and figure out what sound and music we need to help tell that story. Yeah. You know, and a great example of an opportunity that I was given was exactly one year ago in February last year through the National Arts Centre. They were hosting something called the Big Bang Festival. And you can look all of this up. There was lots of media on it. Um, and they invited a couple of guest artists to be a part of this. Uh, it's a children's music festival that came from the Netherlands. I forget right now. I feel bad. <laughs> Belgium, a beautiful country like that. <laughs> yes. And uh, so it came to Ottawa. Uh, they invited me and they basically said, um, we want you to do this section that we do every year. It's called Nomad. And uh, what do you want to do? So Nomad basically just meant that they were uh, finding uh, an artist who could come in and take their artistry and work with children and create something. But there's no definitive of what it is. Those were the only constructs. So once they give me those bones, I say, okay, we're going to work with this school. So we worked with Pierre Elliott Trudeau Elementary School in uh, Hall of Quebec on the, nice. on the Hall side of Ottawa. Yeah. Um, they have a pretty high First Nation self-identified population there. So uh, we went through a whole process. We worked like in a very intensive two weeks with a small group of interested kids. And uh, we basically created um, – uh, a theatrical piece that was presented at the National Arts Centre at an open house uh, Big Bang Festival where we had three cycles of a full house in two days. Oh, sorry, four, four shows. So two shows in wow. two days. Yeah. We basically, what we did is we used the element of water, the cycle of water in life. So there was four segments. There was drip, steam, paddle and the womb so all of these elements are, are are water and i'm not going to give a whole long description of this but we got to explore those sounds and what that sound means in whether it's ceremony or life-giving or, or just survival and we created these little scenes and i worked with dj rise ashton and he created all of the sound and little music and oh, we cool yeah like we, we put on a whole 20 minute 
series and we, we even put on like a, a sweat lodge ceremony with rattles and that was the scene of steam talking about the steam with the grandfather rock so there was all these teachings there was language i mean like we got to do so many cool things in two weeks for a 20-minute show and i think over 2,000 people came to to see that show that's awesome and i think i remember you posting about this online too you would have posted about this on sure. your instagram i'm almost positive i remember those posts yeah. that's amazing and i love too jose your connection with kids because you're like i think back to the crooked braid again and how you brought uh, local dancer patient syllaboy into the into the dance as well yeah. to be able to you know incorporate that um that cultural aspect of, of indigenous people and of also obviously recognizing local talent too, was just amazing. So I love that you're working with kids and, and bringing your culture to, to kids in the area as well. I'll be honest with you. I do it because of the end result, and I do it because of what I know they get out of it. Yes. But let me tell you the, the beginning and the in between <laughs> There, I mean, it's it's a, it's a thing, and I, I did a lot of it. I worked with a lot of schools years ago. Um, I really grinded out a lot of workshops and uh, put in a really good amount of time and energy, and I learned a lot from that. And when the NAC presented that opportunity to me, I mean, that was like what I was trying to do always, all along with all of these schools anyways, was trying to like produce this thing that we show to the people towards the end. You know, but uh, it takes there's a lot of logistical things that get in the way sometimes too. And when you're involving culture and education, it's not easy. No, you know, and we, I, I'm very, um, I don't sugarcoat things. And if that's the way people want me to work, then it's just not going to work. You know, yeah. so it's been it's been a journey. So working with kids, it's it's very rewarding because there are some solid projects I can look back on or there's some solid interactions at, at workshops with certain schools in the city that uh, I know I've made an impact for sure yeah and it's just it uh, it's rewarding and I think it's so funny you're saying that about the kind of the middle process because I feel like and I was just talking about this recently there's so many projects theater productions presentations you name it where it's like yes I'm gonna do this and I agree to it at the beginning and then there's this period in the middle where you're like why the fuck did I agree to to doing this but then when it's over there's just that like overwhelming feeling of pride and and accomplishment (laughs) right it's like okay right that's why I did it (laughs) I think because we are professionals at this point our brains are so advanced in all of this and we know what we just said right like the end result part and often when we are working with the younger generation and the thing is not only are you working with the younger generation but you need their parents or you need their support systems to equally be interested and invested because it's logistical stupidness sometimes that can create chaos, (laughs) like just making it to rehearsal. Right. It's not the fault that their parents just can't jive. It's all this craziness, but now you're three weeks into uh, rehearsing and and this is what's happening. You know, like there's, there's so many crazy things that come up along the way. And at the end of the day, what I'm trying to say is this industry requests 
probably the same mentality as an elite athlete family. Right. Like you really have to, you've got to grind in this business to, to make a good show and to yeah. be a part of a good show. And it doesn't matter if you're six years old, if you're going to be a part of that show, guess what? Your motivation and your dedication, your presence and your energy has to be all at the same level like everyone else. And that's what makes or breaks people in enjoying or not enjoying being a part of this industry. And then the ones that walk away really easily, they don't have what it takes. And that's not to be cruel. It's just fact about this business. Yeah. And then people might say like, oh, that's so cutthroat. And that's why people do do fun recreational classes. That's what recreation is for. That's right. Professional performance world is something else. Yeah, you're totally right. I agree. And I just think like when you're talking about recreation versus professional, I mean, I, I kind of feel like I straddle the line a little bit when it comes to performance because I'm not a dancer, I'm a a theater performer, but um, a lot of what I do theater for is for my mental health really is for, you know, working on a project, the feeling of accomplishing something. Like I said, that sort of jazzed feeling that you get when it's over and you feel like you've accomplished something. How much of dance is or started as something for your mental health to make you feel better, to improve your your mental wellness? Man, make or break any given day. <laughs> and it's, it's, this year has been the toughest for me. And I mean, and it's not because of COVID. I swear to God, COVID has not infringed my life one bit. Right. And that's a whole other story. It's just my personal journey that I've been going through this year. Um, my mental fragility has been very, very tested. Right. And this summer and into the early fall, like I was over exercising. I was under eating. I was in a constant state of uh, anxiety because of whatever I could think of in the future. I was, I was anxiety about now, you know, like I was just a complete mess mentally. I I was, I was losing weight, all of these things and crying all like just over everything and anything for like two months. I swear to God, I was fucking useless. Yeah. And the only thing, any day that could ever snap me out of it and legit help me get chores done, put a smile on my face, put some fucking makeup on, wash my face and get out the door is music. Blast the music and me instantly, it's like hypnosis. Yeah. I'm no longer in that rut. I'm fucking dancing. Dance in front of the mirror for a few minutes, put the hood on. It works for me and nobody and not many other people, but it's like a relationship, right? And yes. my brain has a relationship with uh, with the vibrations and that, that response. And to be honest with you, this artist in residency position that I'm uh, invited to, I'll, I'll share a little nugget. The exploration and the research that I'm going to be doing to develop this piece has to do with vibrations and healing and response of music and body and stuff like that so as a dancer I I think if I had to choose between music and sex 
I would have to think for a really, 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 really long time about it. But like, I'd be leaning towards music a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, like, I think about my mental health here. Like, still got masturbation. But, hey, know. there you go. Uh, that was going to be my next question. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> But you're absolutely right. And as a non-dancer, my relationship with music and literally even turning music on while I'm washing the dishes and dancing in my kitchen is is that same, on a different level, is that same experience for me. I agree with you 100%. It is. And, uh, you know, you see it. I think we, we all know it. And it's just different personalities will explore it or share it publicly in different ways but even with tiktok you know these days yeah. like you see a lot of people like they're it was we're all forced to be home with ourselves this year yeah you know we're all forced to kind of figure out okay like, I, I do gotta entertain myself i do gotta accept myself how, how, how am i gonna hang out with myself yeah you know and for me that's why i mean i started pole dancing i've done a lot of yoga uh you know like i just I think like for me, I need to move. I need to move and I need to express everything, how I feel in, in dance. And that's just how I feel like I'm living my truth. Oh, I love that Jose and living your truth. I feel like that's the perfect place to end our conversation on because it's such an important Thing. It's not easy for some reason to live your truth. Sometimes we have to dig deeper to be able to feel safe in sharing our stories, but uh, you're doing it. And I'm so, so, so happy that you joined me for this chat today. Thank you so much. Thank you, Sam. Thank you for opening the floor. And uh, if you ever want to talk about anything else, I'd be awesome. Thanks again to my pal Jose for joining me and overthinking with me this week. I hope you'll join me again next week where my guest will be Crystal Richard.